ladies and gentle mortals, it's feeding time. What's that? You hear the sound of fear because they're here. Vampires roam in the night. What's that? You say can't be no They're fake. Okay. Believe whatever you might. But when the moon is full out of starlit night, you best all lock your doors up tight. Cause my friend the vampires start to dance. Welcome to Kids and Their Dog. It's a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. I'm Lava. And with us today is another special guest who I will have introduce themselves as they would like to be introduced. Oh, uh, hello. I'm, uh, you can call me Crash. Hello, Crash. Hello. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Yes, it is excellent. You have called a spot on this podcast since technically before the podcast started so <laughs> yeah yeah i um i've been in the backstage if you will for a <laughs> while now yeah and it's good to finally reach a point where we can have this episode yeah yeah I, i'm kind of glad this didn't fall in october i not to get too ahead of ourselves, but uh, I think Ghoul School definitely deserved that spot. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to have that one uh, air on actual Halloween. That was kind of neat. Yeah, that was really special. I liked that a lot. As both a listener of the show. All right. Well, now it should be familiar at this point. We've had to do it for a few months in a row now. Guest questions. Woo! All right, I'm going to start with a softball. What is your favorite flavor of slushy? Uh, blue raspberry. Nice. Very classic. Stains your tongue. Yeah. Loses the flavor like halfway through, but it's just, it's so iconic. That's <laughs> true. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Forgot about it. I've had, I've had an icy the last couple of times we've gone to the theater to watch stuff. And I'm just like, this is fun for like the first couple sips. And afterwards, I'm like, this doesn't taste like much. It's just ice. Just yeah. chewing on ice. Which I do like. Yeah. <laughs> I think that can be said for basically every slush flavor mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. The, the melted part's really like the flavorful part and then everything else is just ice. I think the one exception is stuff like gator ice where the ingredient proportions are switched where it's mostly flavor and very little ice. <laughs> oh gosh, I haven't had that. That sounds intense. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. <laughs> I've only ever had it at a rural Georgia gas station. Oh, wow, that sounds about right. I bet I think I bet I could get that in in Georgia, in a Florida somewhere though. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I think I may have seen it on a sign or something. I'm not even sure if it's still a th- thing that exists. It's been a, several years, <laughs> and that means I should ask, what is your favorite Scooby Doo series? I'm going to say classic Scooby-Doo. Nice. Um, 
I've watched it the most. Um, there was a point in time where um, my family was living abroad and the only American television we had was like two stations. Mm-hmm. And it played like classic television. So like I Love Lucy, I Dream of Jeannie, and like OG classic Scooby-Doo. Nice. It was like all it, all it played. So I was like, that was kind of my very first exposure to it. And then like, as I got older, like I, I did watch like a pup named Scooby-Doo and what's new Scooby-Doo, but like classic was always uh, like really stuck out in my mind. Cause I was also like, I was old enough to like actually start paying attention to animation at that point. Mm-hmm. My older siblings were like, Hey, it's kind of funny that like the backgrounds like loop in around in a circle and you can kind of tell like where it like comes all the way back around and like i really started paying attention to things like that and like Mm. not just watching a cartoon for a cartoon's sake so that kind of always uh was really special to me nice Hmm. the next question is in the event of swearing which scooby-doo character yeah which scooby-doo character would you like me to bleep you with um Probably something Daphne. All right. Uh, which brings me to the next question of which gang member do you relate to the most? So when I was younger, I definitely liked Velma. You know, she's the brain. She's the smart. She has, you know, the plan that may or may not work out. But like, she's the one who's like thinking about things critically. Um, and it wasn't until like I saw the Scooby-Doo movie and like, more modern adaptations where they get Daphne a little bit better and they give her more characterization that like Daphne kind of came up in front as my favorite uh, member of the gang. Like I like how in the newer adaptations, she's like really like weaponized her femininity and like uses that as a, an asset rather than that being like being held against her. And she's just like there to be captured every week. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. There's been a lot of more modern interpretations of Daphne that I think are incredibly well done. And mm-hmm. this movie is actually does a pretty decent job as well. It does. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. This kind of um, is almost a Daphne spotlight movie, which I kind of really liked. Mm-hmm. All right. And our final guest question is, what's your favorite pizza topping combination? Oh, I like uh, chicken bacon with barbecue sauce instead of marinara. Mm. Wow. I see. I've never heard of that before. That's kind of interesting. It's yeah. It's usually a specialty pizza at a lot of places. Uh, yeah, it's it's it'll be under the specialty menu as just like barbecue chicken pizza or something like that. Gotcha. Often paired with ranch, surprisingly enough. Mm. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, ranch goes with every pizza. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> You're one of those kids I knew in school. I I mean, that that's also because that's the only way you could eat school pizza. Is <laughs> that's to a good ranch. point. Oh my god. <laughs> it had no flavor. That was the only way to get by. Oh. You know what? You've made me forgive every single one of those kids I knew. <laughs> It's because, man, I understand. I get it now. All right. Well, that wraps up guest questions. And now on to listener questions. I forgot to put out a call for listener questions for this episode. But because 
you can just send us questions at any time. We do have a couple of questions anyways. <laughs> Yay! Oh, good. I completely forgot to. <laughs> All right. Both of our questions this week come in from James. That is at Discord Inc. Is it Discord? Discord underscore Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, former guest of the show, friend of the show, etc., etc. <laughs> um, the first question is, who is the better rapper, Scrappy-Doo or Yogi Bear? Neither. No. Mm. See, if I'm going to have to break down which one I think is better, I think is absolutely Yogi Bear without a doubt. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like exiting my body when I listened to the Yogi rap. <laughs> the, the Scrappy rap, I was like, I am just going to expire on this spot if I listen to this any longer. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was Yogi Bear himself that produced it or just he hired someone to create a beat for the dare bear yogi rap um but it is definitely much more listenable as a result than whatever boombox garbage crappy do managed to come up with yeah and like he has no flow he's got like no charisma like he's just kind of like it's like somebody handed him a sheet of paper and was like hey we kind of like read this off in a kind of sing-songy way Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how the scrappy rap happened yeah yeah, he takes a like a two minute pause between every like bar, and it's not good. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I I would even wager to say Scrappy has anti flow. <laughs> uh, oh, plus uh, Yogi's rap had a hook to it, so there's that. Yeah, Scrappy's just kind of came out of nowhere after a very good movie, and is is so out of place. Yep. We got some mileage out of the joke question, and I love to do that every time. Yeah, I will take I will take joke questions seriously every time. All right, and our second question, also from James, is: If you could create a Hanna Barbera talking animal, what animal would they be, and which slightly dated comedian would they be based on? Before we begin, I will say that I've been kicking around the idea of doing. A bonus episode or something where we create an entire Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving team. Can we play it in in the interstitial rule set? Mmm, this is a good idea. (laughs) Powered by the apocalypse, (laughs) Hanna-Barbera. Oh, Oh, you mean Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, the DC comic. (laughs) Oh. Oh, God, no. No, that's a D20 system. That's not powered by the apocalypse, though. You're right. Also, I will say that um, I'm going to remove this answer from the board because Larry the Cable Guy is already a Hanna-Barbera like sidekick character. Not okay. like literally, but just through sheer personality and how he's been adapted into animated films and the fact that he has a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the animal, but I just... For some reason, John Candy popped into my head just now. <laughs> so that'll be part of my answer. Yeah, I, I have my comedian, but I don't have what animal they would be. Tiger is already uh, one of them, isn't it? Uh, maybe, but to be fair, even if it is already taken, they had four different mystery-solving teen shows that had dogs. 
So true. I think you can get away with a couple of uh, crossovers. It's true. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to say it's going to be a uh, crime-solving, like, parrot voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, dang, that's good. That is real good. Oh. It's hard to think of personas for celebrities. <laughs> I'm not good at this. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything <laughs> except for some bizarre reason. The only act, uh, comedian from back then that popped into my head was John Candy. Um, uh, well, let's just uh, recreate or just reuse the Spaceballs idea and make him also a dog. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> hmm. Now I also need to think of an animal. Oh, no, I got it. Here we go. Uh, mystery solving team that mostly solve mysteries around national parks. Their animal mascot is a bear that mm-hmm. is... Um, completely designed to act and sort of be an imitation of Bill Murray. Oh my mm. god. Dang, that's awesome. That'd be good. Also, just because they're kind of my favorite modern comedian, I really want John Mulaney to be in a Scooby-Doo movie. Dude! <laughs> I mean, it's like almost there right he's in that spider-man movie that's coming out yeah that's it's just he's one step away (laughs) come on he can also be fred's uncle yes (laughs) who isn't related to fred at this point you know (laughs) (laughs) oh i i feel like john mulaney might be more on the dinkley family tree somewhere Oh, oh, that would be good. True. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. I had something I was going to say. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> oh, um, I wanted to use Mitch Hedberg in my answer somehow, but I don't think Mitch Hedberg would be a good fit for an animated children's cartoon side character. I'm not sure I know who that is, actually. Oh, uh, he's got some classic bits, like the... Um, an esca- you should never see an out of an order sign on an escalator. It's just ever. It's just temporarily stairs. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've heard that joke before. Um, there's the. <laughs> um, it, it takes so long to bake a potato that sometimes whenever I get home, I just throw a potato in there because I, I don't want a potato now. But in three hours, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. I mean they made Robin Williams kid friendly For Disney And like a lot of his stuff from like The 70s and 80s is very not Kid friendly Mm. I don't think it's because It's not from an unkid friendly perspective Especially if it was going to be a modern show Every kid is all about weed these days Mm, Um, Gotcha It's more of his brand of humor I don't think would translate well to a continuing character. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, that's all of our questions. Thank you, James, for coming through for us. Yay, James. 
<laughs> it was funny when you guys had James on because I was just listening to it sitting at my desk at work and I was like, this is our tabletop group with everybody but me. <laughs> and <laughs> it's now like... it's everybody but James. <laughs> so <laughs> James will have to go through what I went through when I listened to his episode. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, these are my friends, all three. <laughs> and I'm here. <laughs> and I'm at work. Yeah. All right, well, all that's left is to do the dang thing, so let's get into it. <clears throat> let's get into it. Mm-hmm. This month, we are watching Scooby-Doo in the Music of the Vampire. Um, it had a television premiere on March 3rd, 2012. It was released on DVD 10 days later, um, but it was one of, and I guess this is a new thing that they're going to do with every Scooby-Doo movie. I don't know if it started with this one or before it. But now some of the most of the Scooby-Doo animated films will come out on iTunes weeks before the DVD release. Hmm. I feel like I've seen that a couple of times. That, that sounds right. Like, I think Gourmet Ghost was available for a full month before the DVD finally came out. Wow. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was directed... This film, not Gourmet Ghost, was directed by David Block, produced by Spike Brandt and Tony Servone. I, I'm not sure if that... and It ends with an E. I don't know if it needs to be pronounced or not. Um, and written by Tom Shepard. Featuring the voice talents of Frank Welker as Fred and Scooby, Jim Wise as the singing voice of Fred, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy, Gray Delisle as Daphne, Mindy Cohn as Velma, Betts Malone as Velma's singing voice, uh, Mindy Sterling as Lita, who, <laughs> the main reason I wrote down Mindy Sterling is because I don't do it for all of the side characters, but she is both a prolific actor and a prolific voice actor, and her breakout role was in Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we also have Jeff Bennett as Vincent Van Helsing. Jim Cummings as both Jesper Pubel and Thule. My dude, Jim, you have got to chill with these Cajun accents. I, <laughs> you We're about to get to that. You can't do it, my dude. It is not b- as bad as Van Helsing's whatever accent. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's also not great. <laughs> there are just some like weird choices with accents, and I'm like... I want to know if this was coming from up top or if this was an actor's choice. Like, we got some we got some weird impressions going on. Uh, and finally, on my list of actors that I've written down is Rob Paulson as the reoccurring kid that almost got ran over that we never get a name for throughout the entire film, despite the fact that he definitely shows up more than some of these other characters. <laughs> yeah, I think the credits just call him, like, Vampire Kid. That's yeah, they so... call him Teen Vampire. Oh. Yeah. And you got Rob Paulson voicing him. Like, that's kind of, like, he's he's a big deal, like, voice actor. Mm-hmm. He was everywhere in, like, the 90s and even before that. Just to be like, oh, yeah, he's Vampire Kid. Oh, yeah, and I think his other role in this film is Vampire Actor number three or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think he's also the sheriff. Yes, he I think he is, sheriff. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to write down the sheriff's name, but it's the sheriff also. Okay, well, that's <laughs> all of the stats about this movie. Time for the movie proper. We open 
on an owl that looks a lot like a cat, in my opinion, and a snake. <laughs> and we we get the first song of the movie right off the bat, just looking at some swamp wildlife. The like, so so in a musical, this would be considered the overture, kind of. It's kind of the framing device trying trying to like get us into the narrative thrust of what's going to be happening in this story, but it just like it meanders. It goes on for too long. The Cajun man in the boat hits some animals, and I'm like, I'm not a fan of him just like beating some gators with a bat. So, uh, mm, it's the opening to Adla- Aladdin. Yes, is what struck yes. me because mm-hmm. this guy is singing, and we uh, pan over to him, and he's like, "Oh, hey, audience, what's up?" And I'm like, "This, this is, is this." And he starts like not peddling because he's not like a, a merchant, but he, he he's starting to show off um, the crown that is featured in the movie. And I'm like, this is the opening to Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's like, look at this plot relevant item that's gonna come up later. Yeah. Oh, I almost spoiled the ending. Tee we're clever. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna say that besides being. I mean, like technically worse than Aladdin. It's also worse than Aladdin in the sense that in Aladdin, the opening shopkeeper does not show up in the film ever. Like, Presumably, yeah. Presumably, um, mm-hmm. there are theories to be made. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but in this film, right? So because he's not actually in the story, that lends like, oh, this could be a tale that passed down. So if not everything sounds right, it's because things just don't sound right. Mm -hmm. Uh, after being told for generations um with this the character his name's tuli i'm gonna go and say that now Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah tuli does show up in the film later on Mm -hmm. which means that some that means he knows the facts about the movie more or less but also he was nowhere near around most of the film Mm mm-hmm and hmm. yeah yeah it kind yeah. of introduces some weird continuity like okay but how did you hear about this but i guess it was on the news because we see that later it's kind of like getting like statewide local coverage but then like he knows like intimate details about the events of of this mystery that i'm like you wouldn't know that unless you were there you talked to somebody like literally there yeah then, but also that if it was just the news thing too it'd be like Oh man, I found this guy in the swamp. And he's gonna tell me what was on the news Thursday, January eighth, <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's it's a weird opening. Yeah, I feel like, but I feel like it definitely sets the tone for the rest of the movie because I'm like, oh, I feel like this is about where my expectations should be. <laughs> <laughs> Also, he just eats leeches. That's another thing that happens. Yeah, he yeah. does. He eats leeches like he's Timon and Pumbaa. And then every time he does, we get the freaking Jim Cumming Cajun voice saying unintelligible nonsense. <laughs> yeah, the the subtitles on the, the streaming that I was watching it on, I was like, that's not what he said, but I don't know what he just said, but thank you for <laughs> trying. Uh... 
I like some of the animation on the animals. Like, I, f- I feel like that's one of the things that always strikes me about kind of the newer age Scooby-Doo's is I'm like, this is like, you can really tell like how far they've come. Like, they still don't have like crazy big budgets at this point, but like they definitely have like, you can tell like they're kind of sort of keeping up with the technology. And I think that's really interesting. The alligators look like they're from Disney's Peter Pan. And also, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, there's definitely at least one gator that swims later on. And I'm like, mm, that looks from a different movie. There's a lot <laughs> less detail in most of it. Yeah. It's something. Mm-hmm. There's a giant cockroach that looks like it's from Men in Black. <laughs> I yes. have the exact same note. So let's <laughs> jump over to that. <laughs> um, he says it all started away from here. And we see the gang investigating a monster's sighting in some sewers. And they talk about how they had been fighting other monsters for like the past two weeks, including one called Snakeosaurus, which <laughs> I need to see with my eyes. Yeah, there's a lot of like good throwaway like monster names that I'm just like, tell me their story. Yes. They say this one it's just called the cockroach monster is the one they're going after now. And mm. they eventually find it, and it's it's the cockroach from Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, Shaggy and Scooby see like a, a, f- a flashlight falls, and it's like projecting the shadow of a small cockroach. And they're like, oh, it's big and like scary on the wall. But then they like turn around, and there's like the big one behind it, and then they scream. And then Fred had a really funny line where he's like, don't let it eat you before you get there. And they're all like running down the tunnel to like save uh, Shaggy and Scooby. That's like very Ghostbusters too, kind of. Mm. Ghostbusters, the original also, not Ghostbusters 2, the film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like the Slimer sequence, it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of akin to that. Yeah. Um, When Fred does get there, though, he has a giant roll of flypaper, and I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Fred just is like... The incomprehensibly like decked out gadget guy in this this whole movie, and I'm he like, is. this is like an interesting direction for Fred, where he like he knows everybody, he's always doing something, and he has like something semi relevant, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, he just has this. It's like it's like people wide flypaper. It looks like almost like a roll of fabric. Yeah, and he it's like big he enough like, that he can get stuck in it. Yeah, he like he he like face plants into it, and I'm like yes. he, that should have ripped his eyebrows off. <laughs> He's easily. gonna die from suffocation. <laughs> he would like lose a, a layer of his skin, lose his eyebrows, and lose some of his bangs. Like that should all be gone on the flight paper. <laughs> and we, I feel like throughout this film, Fred is a joke monkey in a way that, like, in a very different way than Shaggy and Scooby, and I. I want to see more of it, to be honest. <laughs> Doesn't he, like, literally say zoinks at one point? And I'm like, what? Really? Fred? I don't remember that. I think it's 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 later. Mm. Um, like, in a, a a boat scene. I'll leave it at that. Okay, oh, no, no, no that, was, that was Shaggy still. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so they, you know how they do in every m- relatively modern Scooby-Doo film is... There's a monster at the beginning, and they catch the monster, and it's Mr. Clopper trying to drum up business for his exterminator company. <laughs> and, like, yeah, you we get some, like, dialogue of, like, Shaggy being like, man, all these monsters are running together, and then Daphne's like, we're just 
feeling kind of like a little overworked, aren't we? And then Velma, after they like wrap up the the cockroach monster, the Velma's like, let's let's do a vacation. I think I think we've earned a vacation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out if the uh, the cockroach man that was also an exterminator from Men in Black had a last name. But all I know mm. is his name is Edgar. Mm. I don't know. Okay, so crossover promotion with the new MLB that's coming out that has Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. What? With Scooby-Doo, please. Yeah, apparently they're they're going to be like doing a new Men in Black and Tessa Thompson and I think it's a it's a Chris, maybe it's Hemsworth is going to be in it. Okay. There's a lot of Chris's out there right now. There's also a lot of Hemsworths. <laughs> it's a Chris and or Hemsworth. For the record, uh, he is just Edgar the Bug. I am mm. going to put forth that his name is Edgar Clopper and that this was a secret Men in Black goof the entire time and not <laughs> just for the cockroach monster. <laughs> I, like, I, I love it. Ex- headcanon accepted. I, I, Perfect. I'm here for it. All right, so we cut to... The beginning of vacation with Shaggy and Scooby begging Daphne not to put on show tunes. And this is the first time I've ever seen a second row of seats in the mystery machine. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, because usually when we see the back of the mystery machine, it's just like pure empty metal. Mm-hmm. And this time it like actually kind of feels like a van. I was like, oh, look at look at y'all. You referenced a car for once. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 that that kind of impressed me when i was watching cool school after i had watched this and i was like yeah there's just nothing in the back of the mystery machine huh <laughs> it's just like just scrappy loose sitting his ass on bare metal and loose uh loose exercise equipment including a barbell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's rolling around uh there's um one part in this this um kind of travel sequence musical number where they use like a looping 3d background i think it's like over a bridge and uh they kind of impressed me the first time i watched through the movie because i was like oh like i know this is kind of like them conserving assets and like just trying to get through a scene but it also kind of felt like a callback to how they used to like reuse backgrounds and kind of spin them in the classic Mm scooby-doo and i was like oh you guys did that with 3d backgrounds look at you you've come so far (laughs) Uh, is that the wooden bridge that they it breaks? It's not. It's like a wooden walking bridge, not an actual wooden driving bridge, and it breaks, and they fall into a ravine, and nothing pauses. It, the music just keeps going, and everything is fine. They just they just keep traveling, and I'm like, what just happened? Yeah, the 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 geography is really confusing because it's like rocky and mountainous and snowy, and then they get to the bridge and they fall down the ravine, and they like the music just keeps going and keeps going. Everybody's singing a little verse. It's like a somebody will sing and then somebody gets another verse after them, and they're just kind of like going through the crew, and then like stuff happens, and then they're like in the swamp now. Yeah, and I'm like. This this geography is a little confusing. It really is. It's like a montage sequence, but with every character just singing instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do want to point out because we haven't actually specifically mentioned it. 
Velma is the one driving. She is driving them to the secret vacation location that she has not said to anyone. Correct. This is kind of her plan. She's like, okay, I, I'm the one who kind of like put forth that it should, we should go on vacation. Um, I'll plan everything and I've got the location mm-hmm. down. And part of this ending up on like a wooden bridge is there is a part where they start out driving on the road and we see Velma co- like turn and careen off the side of the road. Oh. on purpose yeah yeah there's like a, a bend <laughs> in the mountain and she was supposed to like kind of follow the mountain she just kind of goes straight off the mountain there are several times where i'm like velma you're you're not that good at driving honey what are what are we doing here Ugh. well the first clue is really subtle because when they're com- talking about show tunes velma is wearing earbuds in both ears <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought that too it's like velma what what are you doing oh gosh um, I'm not sure Velma actually has a driver's license. I think she's just driving. <laughs> Judging by the way, like, like her her actions behind the wheel support that statement. Um, I also like how there's a bit where like Shaggy gets a bit of car sickness, and then like somebody cures it by giving him a burger, and I'm like, that shouldn't work, but it's Shaggy, so I'll let it slide. Mm-hmm. Also. The thing to point out with that scene is Shaggy gets a burger. Everybody else will say they're eating grilled cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, and this is also in like the Matthew Lillard era of Shaggy. So Shaggy's vegetarian. Uh, I think only sometimes because he was also um, not vegetarian in Mystery Incorporated. I think it's just for the live action because Matthew Lillard was actually playing Shaggy for that. Gotcha. 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 He was eating corn dogs uh, later in the movie. <laughs> That's true, and I don't think a they're festival corn of, dogs. They're not going to uh, be vegetarian. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they have like vegan dogs or soy dogs running around. Not at a festival. In um, Daphne's verse, she says she's looking forward to not being around Comic Con geeks, and I'm like, <laughs> that is extremely relatable, and I respect that feeling. <laughs> yep. Especially after like listening to y'all talk about. Um, curse of the blue falcon i'm like of course she would be done with comic-con geeks mm-hmm. uh yeah so they finally arrive in petite show soireville um louisiana i'm guessing yeah because that that kind of ish area the framing device was cajun so it's kind of like they're in louisiana ish area and i think for the rest of this i'm just going to call it little bat town because that's what it is it's little bat town yeah like velma kind of drops that on us in a kind of almost throwaway line and i was like wait 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 did you really just say little bat town and that is the direct translation too Mm-hmm. scooby and shaggy are immediately concerned by this it's like what no what are you talking about uh velma ap- apparently promised them a vacation that was ghost ghoul and goblin free yeah, she she got them with that like lawyer technicality. Yep, said nothing about vampires because <sighs> Velma brought them all to a vampire convention. Vampire Palooza, <laughs> baby. Yeah, there's like it's it's kind of like a state fair ish. Like they've got like the food tents and there was there any rides? There's definitely there's like a lot of food. Probably going to be like a tilt a whirl or something. Uh-huh. I, it's important to state vampire palooza is actually a traveling festival <laughs> right is it really that's not what i gathered they mentioned um 
I think Van Helsing says it later that he's getting money by lending some space to them as they get there. And Lita's like, I'm not going to come back here. Oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. One more thing, just because a little bit of trivia. Talking about the name of the town. Le Chaussoirie, a.k.a. The Bat, was a massively successful traveling review that spanned from Moscow to Paris to the U.S. in the early 1900s. So there's still more tie-ins with the events of the film. Oh my gosh. Nice. like that. As they get there, and they're looking at Vampire Palooza, Daphne and Velma talk a bit about... Silverlight! You get it? Get it? I was not expecting them to do this, because I was like, okay, this is Scooby-Doo, this is vampires, but like, you know, a lot of the references tend to be like very classic and old school, and I was not expecting a twilight joke but then i was like it is 2012 and this came out so it makes sense yeah velma has apparently read the book 12 times Mm -hmm. and shaggy and scooby they're not into regular vampires and they're not into modern vampires either to be quite honest nope yeah i think they the the ladies say that like uh modern vampires are hot now and they don't sleep in coffins and i'm just like they sleep in seattle (laughs) <laughs> which is very good that's a great um, line i think the the cover of the book says it's sappy and glittery and i really appreciate that there's an anti-vampire protest going on outside of the festival yep why do these people live in van helsing village yeah. if they don't like vampires little bat town <laughs> is the name Part of me thinks that it's kind of like, um, like maybe they were like locals and Van Helsing came in later, but like not really because Van Helsing's relative like founded the town. Yeah. So it's like if if he's the town founder, then like where did y'all come from? Why are you so butthurt about this? Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Okay, here's a suggestion of maybe it wasn't a vampire themed town aside from Van Helsing. Maybe the fact that these traveling people came in and are using their space and bringing in tourists. They're, I don't know why they're complaining about that. Maybe they're like, oh, vampires, no, we're a serious town. Go away, kind of stuff, you know? Sorry, yeah. I just imagined a situation in which the uh, people from Witch's Ghost were like anti-leafs. <laughs> no no leaves sign this petition to cut down every tree in town (laughs) Uh, uh, Shaggy and Scooby almost signed the petition because they are also anti-vampire as is their history with it Um, but Fred is like nah here's some corn dogs let's go he's holding like six corn dogs too it's great he knows what's up <laughs> he knows how looking, to bribe him i was looking at the the bundles of corn dogs and like i was i was thinking to myself i was like somebody needs to make edible arrangements but with corn dogs i would be very into that <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh, goodness okay um as they get when they get inside um velma like they don't have to pay admission because velma reveals they were invited by vincent van helsing descendant of the town's founder 
He's the world's foremost vampirologist because that's a real thing and shows them his museum full of vampire stuff. His accent is like everywhere. I don't know if it's supposed to be like Eastern European or if it's supposed to be French. It kind of sounds a little French sometimes. I'm just like, Ben Helsing, you just need, you need, you need to pick an accent and you need to stick with it, buddy. Here's the accent Please. description. Old professor. There you go. Well, it's like old foreign professor, maybe? I don't know. It's weird. Uh, yeah, it is weird. He's also writing a book, but that's not really important. It's never mentioned yeah, it's, again, really. It's not doing well, I guess, is the most thing, the most important thing. Like, he's an author, but his books aren't doing well because the new modern vampire books are what sells and nobody wants the, like, fact-oriented books anymore. And Velma's a- Hang on, gang! And it's like, oh yeah, I don't like modern fa- vampire stories. I like your books, Vincent uh, Van Helsing. And I'm like, but you just- you. You dropped your book, though. Like, yeah, she tosses her book to the side. There's a good visual gag where Shaggy just sort of like stares at it on the ground for a second, opens it up for another second, and just <laughs> stares at the property of Velma Dinkley <laughs> before just sticking it in his shirt <laughs> while she's sucking up to Van Helsing. Sorry, I interrupted. It's just we never find out why he just <laughs> took the book. It's in his pocket dimension. It's in his inventory now. <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's my here's I'm gonna throw this out there. After all this is said and done and the movie is over, he reads it. I don't know what he thinks about it, but he'll read it. And then hmm. what do you think? Because <laughs> hmm. it's never brought up again. The fact that he hides it away in his pocket dimension shirt. It's that's mm. th- never brought up, and I'm just like, yeah. Shaggy. If you read it, what did you think of it? <laughs> yeah, I really want to know what Shaggy would think of Silverlight. <laughs> oh, um, we mentioned that Van Helsing's book never comes up again. Not only does it never come up again, but this one that he's showing off here is called like the Lord's Awakening or something. Yeah, it, it's not a good title. Mm-hmm. And the worst part is, uh, another book of his comes up later, minor spoilers, um, and Velma mentions it's his latest book, and it is a completely different book from this one, so why is he selling this one? Oh no, I didn't notice that. He's not good with money, we can get into it more after, like, stuff later, but like, he's not a good business person. No. Uh, So, they go to vincent van helsing's crazy house of vampire stuff fred's looking around and says this stuff's fantastic count 11 does and i'm so happy (laughs) somewhere sabella's very pleased and she doesn't know why hmm hmm hold on a second oh putting together a red red shirt shaggy timeline thing here in my head Mm -hmm. does fred become dracula Dracula is a big sweetheart in in ghoul school. Other than threatening Shaggy's life when they all go to leave. Hmm. Interesting. 
Food for thought. Anyways, Vincent has a sarcophagus containing Lord Valdronia, who's been entombed in glass for nigh a thousand years. Six inches of glass, I might add. Yep. After he says that, Agnes Cooper just like, hmm, seems fake. Yeah, I loved that. Right. Velma mentions that the glass is murky and hard to see through, and that it's Fred's like, oh, it's probably six inches thick or so. Yeah, six inches of glass is not exactly uh, good for viewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's probably frosted glass as well. So, mm-hmm. like a doubling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent sets the stakes, so to speak, and tells the gang <laughs> that <laughs> with the lack of tourism for his stuff, he has to rent the property to Vampire Palooza just to get by. And his edgy books don't sell well in the world of books that are good. Uh, but even Lita, who runs the Palooza, has threatened to leave next year if business does not pick up. They also introduced the um, the vampire jewels in this scene. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, oh, this is what like a vampire lord would use to like take a mortal bride and like bind her to him for eternity and nonsense like that. They're really nice jewelry. I'm definitely a fan of the necklace. The the headpiece, I think, is a little too much for me. Yeah. Oh, man, I just realized we forgot to mention that when they get into town, the mystery gang, before they realize Vampire Palooza is happening, they almost hit a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we kind of mentioned him earlier, but we didn't specify yeah. when it happened. That's Yeah, that's when it happened. Vampire kid. They almost murder beloved voice actor Rob Paulson, who all he has to say about it is, I'm stalking here. (laughs) (laughs) That that got me a little the first time. (laughs) So Van Helsing uh, wants to save his family's legacy, and he takes them to a a show about vampires? Yes, Hangin' Shans, who Daphne says yeah, who Daphne says is the greatest vampire-based theater troupe in the world or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's so oddly specific. Of course they're the best at it. They're the only ones doing it, Daphne. There's no competition for them. Yeah. Any other, like, troupe would just call themselves, like, goth kids. <laughs> These ones are just, like, extra special LARPers. Yeah. Yeah, they are, like, too far into it. Just a little but bit. that that works wonderfully in the end, which I kind of really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby put on necklaces of garlic, so that way you know the vampires don't get them. But when they go inside, the kid that almost got ran over points to a sign that says "No wooden stakes, garlic, or flash photography," <laughs> which is perfect. Yes. So <laughs> reacting to this. Scooby and Shaggy are not about to waste food, and they eat six bulbs of garlic each. Which I'm just like, okay, that's going to be like nasty on Shaggy anyway. Like, just eating that much garlic, you're going to smell it. But feeding that to a dog and doggy (laughs) breath that's garlicky? (laughs) And of course, of course, the fellow audience members, when they finally get into the theater, are like, what is that stench? Everyone. Oh, I just got galaxy brained for a second. Is oh, that no. scene from SpongeBob? <laughs> no, it 
<laughs> with the sun day. They're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like fred and or um fred even calls them stangy which i wasn't (laughs) which i wasn't expecting like i was expecting like oh they they smell bad they're stinky but no fred calls them stanky so we get another song here um it's very jazzy it's based entirely on vampires it's, it's very lukewarm. Yeah. But Daphne is into it. Yeah, she stands. She whistles. It's it's everybody drags her down. It's hysterical when that happens is cuz um it focuses on the stage and we see a uh, Daphne silhouette and everybody just mm-hmm. to the side of her just drags her down to into her seat and I found that really funny. I like the the vampire troops costuming. Uh, we have a guy who has like full on like vampire widow's peak, and like somebody in a very very deep V neck. <laughs> um, the the one female member of the troop has the electric ghost from Cyber Chase's hair. Almost, mm. mm-hmm. it's very like just like spiked back, but like a little bit in the front too. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. After they finish the opening song, the main vampire actor says, If you fear vampires, leave now. Shaggy and Scooby run to leave, but then all of the doors sham- slam shut and lock. Mm-hmm. Which is a fire hazard. And it's also, like, poor theater etiquette. Because if, like, you should you should let people have the opportunity to exit if they don't want to be there anymore especially if you are going to do something that could be potentially upsetting mm-hmm. and they just lock them in rude very they start to perform a ritual to resurrect a vampire mm-hmm. and um vincent van helsing is shocked because it is a ritual that is an actual actual ritual like real ritual i'm putting those in quotation marks mm-hmm. um that no one should actually know. Because the only copy of it is in a book in his museum. Yes. Correct. Yeah, that's one of his priceless um, artifacts that is housed in the museum. Uh, is this one-of-a-kind book of vampire knowledge. The Vampernomicon. <laughs> Nearly, yeah. As they continue the chanting and ritual, it cuts to the museum where things are getting wild uh the one security guard on staff after (laughs) hearing the shaking and rattling that's going on in the building trips on some stakes that fell over and tases themselves yeah it's like the most like just there's several like factors that like came together for him falling because like uh i think there's a joke when they get to the museum fred's like hey look steaks and shaggy and scooby come and they're like steaks where and it's like oh wooden steaks not meat steaks you you sillies yeah uh, and like some of them get like spilled on the ground and like i guess nobody cleaned them up so the security guy trips on them i think they fell over during the scene like during this scene uh at night i feel like that's something that happened but i don't remember for sure well, after the security guard tases themselves and before we got away 
we do see Lord Valdronia glowing menacingly inside his coffin. Mm-hmm. It's very bright, very green. And then in the theater, a similar green erupts as a flame geyser on the stage. Uh, and the actors are like, hmm, hold on, this isn't the plan. We were going to have a fake vampire come out. And then he looks over and the unconscious body of his co-worker is backstage. Yep. Don't you hate it when, like, you're just doing fake magic and it turns out to be real magic? <laughs> I mean, it happens often enough around here. Right? Uh, Lord Valdronia bursts from the fire and puts the rest of the troop to sleep. And then he anamorphs into a gro- glowy green bat and flies through the ceiling. I love how utterly disgusting Valdronia looks. Yes! Like, he looks like he's... a bat! So, yeah, he looks like, uh, I think it's a hog-nosed bat? Like, yeah. very, like, triangular, like, pointed up. Very, very monstrous take on a vampire. In very contrast to, you know, the the modern vampires that were brought up earlier in the film. Right. You know, popularized by Silverlight. This is a very, very classic design of a vampire. I will say every time that Lord Valdronia shows up on screen, I keep expecting, like, green goop to ooze out of his mouth. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, The mystery gang has stuck around to investigate and question the originally planned fake vampire and the other actors as well. They say, er, the person who was knocked out says that the vampire showed up and either knocked him out or put him in a trance or something and he passed out. Which brings up the point of then the vampire knocked you out before he was resurrected? That's a, <laughs> that's a good point. Unless it was during the ritual that hmm. he got knocked out. Maybe. Yeah. There was a long, a long period of time where it was a lot of glowy green. Van Helsing interrogates the main actor and tries to figure out where they learned such a dangerous spell, which is just on the internet. <laughs> uh, Daphne finally gets the main actor to introduce himself as Bram. You know, like Bram Stoker, like the Dracula. I groaned when I heard that. I was like, are you kidding me out of all the things? Uh, Honestly, in my notes, I have him down as Graham, and I didn't question it. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. I kind of like that better. He's got the consistency of a cracker. (laughs) Uh, The gang leaves to investigate Valdronia's so-called escape, while Van Helsing continues to have a word with these actors. Uh, this entire time, Shaggy and Scooby have been hiding amongst the ceiling somewhere. I think they're, they climbed onto a pillar. Yeah, there's like, um, so it's like the door into the, the theater, and there's like a pillar with a, you know, velvet, some kind of fabric curtain, and they have climbed up that, and they kind of like, just held up there through the performance, through the resurrection, through everything, just waiting for everything to be done. <laughs> And when they go to leave, Fred's like, you guys can't stay up there forever. And they're like, do you want to bet? <laughs> if they had it their way, they would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to the museum where they see the knocked out guard and the empty yet sealed coffin. Then suddenly they hear glass breaking. They turn around to see that the vampire's bride's jewels have been stolen, followed by creepy laughter. And then the bat version not glowing this time, of Lord Valdronia shows up, flies down at Daphne, turns human, and starts hitting on her. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the gang grab stakes and start like coming closer, circling around. Shaggy looks like he is ready to mess someone up with that stake. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is very scary. It's like, dang, you wouldn't expect Shaggy to be the one amongst them that would also be, like, actually actively uh, menacingly coming toward a vampire with a stake. Like, what? What's happening? Look, Shaggy sees some creep hitting on one of his friends. He's not gonna hesitate. I guess not. Shaggy is an ally. <laughs> yeah, the the stakes get closer, so Lord Valdroni just takes off and flies through the roof. Next morning, at the festival, we see White Suit Nice Hair, aka Bigger Gideon, aka Jasper Poobell, with a megaphone complaining about all the vampires. Oh, did we talk about the security guard? Because that kind of gets wrapped up before I this scene I think it's changed. after... Like, there's another scene after this oh. part. Yeah. Okay, I just wrote down blah, blah, blah for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's not a whole lot other than we learned that Lita has leaked the news about the vampire resurrection causing a ruckus. Um, but as a result, it has given more credence to White Suit Nice Hair, a.k.a. Bigger Gideon, a.k.a. Jasper Hubel's anti-vampire agenda. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, then we go back to the gang and Van Helsing that are, and they're all, they're putting out the facts of what they know. The museum's security cameras are on the fritz and Van Helsing cannot afford to fix them. <laughs> Convenient. <laughs> Fred asks how a vampire could escape the coffin, even though it's still sealed. Van Helsing's like, they can turn into mist. Yeah, through the slightest hole. Um, Danny's security guard walks in has a neck wound, but does not die in the sunlight, so he's clearly not a vampire. Velma is just straight up ready to kill him. Yes! She's like, I know a test that'll they'll see if you're a vampire or not. Let's see if you die in the sunlight. Opens the curtain, and it was like, Velma, God! I'm pretty sure Velma knew that he wasn't a vampire at that point, because, like, granted, it, it's a very silly situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She probably already looked at the wound. I think. I think she did, or we, we can presume that she did. And she mentions this later: is that they look more like blisters than uh, puncture wounds. Yeah, yeah. But also, I don't know. Like Velma's not always right. You know, her plans don't always work. <laughs> she could have fried somebody. <laughs> eh, I don't think Velma would. Um, suffer a vampire to live. Probably not. That's fair. That is fair. This poor security guard. We also learned that Fred knows taser burns <laughs> pretty well due to volunteer work at the police academy, <laughs> where he just gets tased repeatedly. I love this characterization for Fred. He just, he knows everybody. He's volunteering. He's just doing everything that's plot relevant. It's great. And is apparently a punching bag for police brutality. I guess so. Oh. 
But yeah, it's revealed that the the wound that's on the security guard's neck is in fact uh, his taser that kind of came down and fell. And so he kind of has like two kind of small puncture wounds and then around them is, you know, kind of a, a burn blister, mm-hmm. which, you know, looks like a vampire bite from a distance. But once you inspect it, you're like, oh, no, those are burns, not like actual bites. Right. So from this, we go back to the fair where there is a news broadcast that mentions that no one has confirmed a real vampire yet. So Lita starts a pro-vampire scare musical number by revealing an incredibly fake bite mark. It's the stamp from the answer to the festival. They give you a little stamp and it's just two dots that are supposed to be a bite mark. She spends most of the song trying to sell merch and mentions that they don't accept Discover Card. (laughs) Yeah, she lists like Chase... And like all these other credit cards, but not Discover. And I'm just like, but why not Discover though? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like a global goof that Discover card is not accepted at most places. I'm not sure if that's true or if there's any like credence to it. Gotcha. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, it's... You should be accepting all the money you can get. Person who is worried about not getting money for being here. Yeah, right? that could be like a that is an increase of profit. Granted, <laughs> okay, let's let's move on because I was about to explain maybe why, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this 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 musical number is also like not that inspired. It kind of reminds me of um, some of the songs that are in uh, Beauty and the Beast, like um, mm. when Gaston's plotting to lock up Belle's dad. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Because it's like you you have like a nefarious plot that's being sung about, uh, you know, the song itself isn't very interesting because you you're supposed to absorb all the information from the song. So like musically, it's not that complicated. So you can follow like what's being said. Right. Uh, the next day, the festival is doing much better business as a result. Fred is eating garlic pizza and buying steaks and the like. Uh, garlic pizza sounds really good. It does. Yeah. It's some primo stuff. And it. If I'm not mistaken, it looks like one of those cartoon pizzas where instead of looking like it has cheese, it looks like it's just sauce. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like, I think the interpretation for the the garlic pizza is like, okay, instead of the mozzarella, it's just sauce and then garlic on top of that. Because it had like like specks on it that I was interpreting as like the chunks of garlic. Yeah, That's, that's my read of it as well. The kid who almost got ran over is still running, is running around scaring patrons with like, a rattle can. Mm. However, despite this rise, sudden rise in tourism, Van Helsing's book still isn't selling well because it's not a good book. Uh, Lita buys one just to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like... Pettiness! Uh, it's a bold move, and I'm kind of here for it. Especially with like a business partner like that, too. Yeah. I also feel like Van Helsing should be bullied more, but that's just me. <laughs> When she throws it away, it hits Shaggy and Scooby, who are hiding in the trash can. And thanks to a combination of Lita's complaining in a news interview, we learn that white suit nice hair's name is Jasper Pubell of the Society for Moral and Wholesome Living. He hates vampires. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of sounds like... There's like a... Some kind of like right-wing organization that's like an anti-abortion, an anti-LGBT foundation, but they're like... It's like coded behind this name that's like oh the foundation for furthering healthy families or something like that i'm like no you're evil (laughs) and you're hiding behind that very nice name but you're evil and that's kind of what it remind that's what this reminds me of 
very much. Mm-hmm. It's extremely some Orwellian stuff, and I'm mad that Jasper Poobell is not locked up as a result of this film. <laughs> <laughs> right? I feel like... yeah. I feel like he's going to lose the mayoral race. That's my headcanon, is he definitely loses. Speaking of. One can only hope. Anyway, so the gang goes to investigate this sudden person with a lot of social standing. Um, He's on the stoop of his trailer giving a speech to passersby slash a small crowd that have come around there. And I believe a news station. Yeah. And it's also, you know, a a few other reporters as well, it looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Velma is going to set up a distraction while the others do some good old-fashioned breaking and entering. <laughs> Fred and Daphne go inside while she, Scooby and Shaggy guard the door. Daphne does some straight-up hairpin lockpicking, which I'm very about. Mm-hmm. Was that hairpin lockpicking, or does she have an actual lockpick? No, it's a straight-up actual lockpick. She just like gets <laughs> it out of her bag, and she's like, I got it. I have this on my character sheet. I'm rolling lockpicking. Here we go. <laughs> we all have crowbars. It's fine. <laughs> they're running curse of strahd it's scooby-doo does curse of strahd um once they're inside they find like a side room that's full of jasper poobel mayoral candidate banners flyers shirts etc a guard finally walks around and notices shaggy and scooby just sort of chilling on the back steps looking at the water um and decides "Hmm, you shouldn't be back here so they knock on the door we're door inspectors. Stand back. <laughs> this one might explode. <laughs> Doors don't explode. What do the cops say? Yeah. And before he finishes the sentence, the door just bursts open as Fred and Daphne are like, why did you guys knocking? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the signal if somebody was coming was Shaggy was supposed to knock on the door. And so they were knocking to, to signal that they should come back. They, they, op- they do that cartoon gag where they open the door and like push away anybody who is in front of it. And they all kind of like make their escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Velma Getaway drives the car out into the bayou where Lord Valdronia strikes again. It is surprisingly rocky where they're driving. <laughs> Well, it's Velma. She's on an off-road every chance she gets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she wants to drive into every ditch. It's like me playing like any open-world game with vehicles. I want to crash as much <laughs> as possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, Valdronia busts in through the top of the mystery machine to grab Daphne. But Velma has off-roaded and is passing through an incredibly low-clearance bridge. It is not designed for doing this, Velma. <laughs> um, but it stops Valdroni from hanging onto the vehicle, and they manage to get back to down okay, I guess, because suddenly they're back at the festival. Yeah, they've done a complete loop. Of a note, um, there is a moment when, right as uh, Vel- Daphne is being grabbed and is still in the in the in the van. And Valdonia is going away. Is she grabs his sleeve and rips part of it off, and that is now in the mystery machine. Correct. I will say the fact that Velma did this is incredibly stupid because I've seen enough videos with trucks and vans and everything getting stuck on low, low, low bridges that this could have been a disaster. 
Well, also, Daphne's hanging out at the sunroof. Yes! I didn't realize the, the mystery machine had a sunroof, but it does because it's plot relevant. And we need we need the danger. We need to up the stakes. Um, but yeah, she's hanging halfway out of it with Veldronio kind of like pulling on her. So it's like, oh, low clearance bridge. What are we going to do? And like at the last second, Veldronio lets go and she's able to like sink back in. Yeah, Daphne could have died. Daphne could have been sliced in half easily. Easily, because you know what, Velma doesn't stop. She doesn't slow down. <laughs> She's like <laughs> metal to the metal. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Yeah, I will mention that it is established for the purposes of this movie that the mystery machine has a sunroof. During the uh, "No More Monsters" music section, Shaggy, Scooby, and Daphne all hang out of the sunroof to do a bit of singing that's right that's true i don't know if it's consistent for other films though it seems like something that would be useful so maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah they ended up uh back at the festival and they kind of end up splitting up i don't remember if there's any particular reason why but they don't they end up kind of away from each other scooby and shaggy look for the food court yeah right poobell has brought a crowd of vampire hunters into the festival with permission from the sheriff. That's only important because of something silly that happens later. Mm -hmm. Shaggy and Scooby get turned around on their way to the food court and end up behind the theater where we see the troop packing up some stairs and stuff. Doing stuff that seems, you know, like a traveling troop would do. Just in their normal course of life. Yeah, yeah, they're packing up their set. They're breaking it down. That's what they do. It's yeah. not too suspicious. Yeah. But instead of playing it cool, they decide we have to kill these people. <laughs> or no, I think it was we can't let them go or something like that. It wasn't we have to kill them. It was just a you've seen too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a <laughs> you've seen too much kind of moment. It's like, these kids are so overdramatic, it's amazing. You can't see us do normal theater things. We must have the aura of vampire at all times. <laughs> theater kids, man. Uh, Shaggy says, look, a talent scout, and then grabs Scooby <laughs> to run away. Those actors all fell for it, too. It's like... <laughs> So they take off and they hide around a corner and then Lord Valderonia jumps out behind them. And if I'm not mistaken, this is in the middle of the day. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. So here's Lord Valderonia. (laughs) I think they kind of... Sparkly um, vampire. um, Van Helsing set up earlier when the security guard was kind of talking about like, oh, there are certain vampires that are certain people who get injected with the vampire venom who have like antibodies to it. And he kind of proposes that like some vampires can go out in the sunlight, I think. Yeah. I think blade taught us that and that they're called Daywalkers or something. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh, I wish blade was in this movie. Wesley Snipe mm. should be in a Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> hmm. Hold on. Cause blade was in the nineties Spider-Man cartoon. I'm trying to think if there's a way we could mash 
that over somehow. Gosh. We we can uh we can uh talk about it in our Discord uh chat later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lord Valdronia, immune to sunlight, I I guess. And so he starts chasing after Shaggy and Scooby and whips a stake at Shaggy's um with such velocity that it grazes his neck and just completely destroys part of his shirt. Definitely could have killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like rips the heck out of his shirt. And was um, close enough to like actually leave like a splinter mark or something. Mm-hmm. So mm. For the record, this scene is at night. Okay. Like they're just they're just hanging out uh during the festival at night it is a night festival it's it's definitely like dusk to night that kind of time period Mm -hmm. okay so not too ridiculous we get a door chase sequence we do involving a very angry grandma (laughs) yes she is like overpowered nerf this grandma she is too strong yeah stop stop praying for grandma she is already too strong Uh, but because the uh, state grazed Shaggy, he thinks he's been bitten. And the chase ends with Shaggy and Scooby in a trash can covered in ketchup. <laughs> Naturally, it's Shaggy and Scooby, so they immediately start licking the ketchup off of themselves. And passing by is the anti-vampire mob. So they see that and they're like, oh, they're bloodsuckers. And one of them has transformed into a dog. Get <laughs> them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the the leap in logic there is very, very good. It's good. They proceed to run Shaggy and Scooby out of town and into the bayou. Where Shaggy tells Scooby to leave him before he turns. But Scooby is not going to have any of that. And they try to do a tearful goodbye. And I almost cried. I got choked up at this part. I was like, you guys can't do this to me. They like go hard on it. There's something about this scene that I don't know why. It makes me think of Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh, it didn't. It it didn't give me that because I was like actually almost about to cry. Okay. I wasn't because I was I couldn't get over the fact that Shaggy thinks he's turning into a vampire. But there's there's something either about this animation or about the acting that, honestly, it makes me think of something from Ed and Eddie. I don't know what it is from, uh, mm-hmm. but there's something about it, and I, ooh, I can't place it. Um, hmm. And then there's a musical number. Yes. And this song is overall pretty good, in my opinion, but it insinuates that the gang doesn't care if he dies. Yeah, it, it, there's two kind of upsetting things that they kind of gloss over really quickly is that the only person that would miss Shaggy if he died was Scooby and that uh, Shaggy doesn't take good enough care of Scooby because sometimes he gives him fleas. And I'm like, please take your great Dane to the vet, please. Um, I do want to say about the gang doesn't care thing is if they didn't do the bit or when he says the line shadow images of the gang shows up on the wall, if that didn't happen, I would have been like, Oh, it's just a line. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then they like hammered and it's like, no, the gang doesn't care. I'm like, mm, that's wrong. Yeah. Right. That's a goddamn lie. Or maybe it's just something that Shaggy sometimes thinks. 
Shaggy has negative self-talk that he needs to work through and like <laughs> grow out of. <laughs> However, this song is not only about just Shaggy and Scooby. It's also about everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of transitions into like if this was like a stage production, this is kind of the big number at the end of Act One, right before the intermission, because you kind of have like this heartfelt moment, and then it transitions into like the chorus singing. And so you have like the vampire hunters doing their bit, and you have got um, the vampire troop uh, doing their bit. And I don't know if it was like this on your guys's uh, versions, but the vampire troop was so quiet. I was like, is the mix off on this version on streaming, or are they just singing very quietly? Mm-hmm. Their register is a lot lower than the other half of the um, the dueling songs there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely have like the lower part of the the music spectrum. Like their parts are always like down here, mm-hmm. while like the other side is just like that's regular people singing, right? Yeah. So they're they they're goths. <laughs> I, I really just wanted to like give them some notes and be like come on i need i need more from that that chorus like that side of the chorus you gotta you're getting overshadowed by the other side and you need to be as as loud as them gotta project you're just getting you just you gotta sing to the back of the auditorium come on <laughs> oh and van helsing has a bit in here too about not being able to pay rent um, <laughs> he's got a decent singing voice at the very least but otherwise Get them out of here. <laughs> it's it's adequate. Like I, I really liked the heartfelt part at the beginning, and then the chorus part when that comes in. I'm like, oh, this is pretty fine. There's like an awkward part where they try to do like split screen with everybody, and yeah. they're still trying to like show them doing dancing. And I'm like, that that didn't really work for me. I really wanted them to like try that again. The blocking is just kind of off. Yeah. I- kind of like the split screen part especially because closer to the end of the bit they're like dancing at each other mm-hmm. but they're in two it's, incredibly different settings yeah it's they're trying to convert something that could have could happen on stage like you would literally have the actors playing Shaggy and scooby in the like uh, the front of the stage with those two kind of on like two opposite wings right and they they took that kind of like blocking from stage and try to convert it into animation and just like did it quite get there for me i kind of wanted them to like either do still do the split screen but like maybe like zoom in closer on some characters instead of having like a group shot or um just like have no split screen just have everybody kind of be in one place mm-hmm. um the other big thing coming out of this song is that they have instituted a ducks to dawn curfew it's an assault on capitalism, Lena says. <laughs> it's an assault on capitalism through, like, really garbage bur- bureaucratic conservative methods. And I'm like, hmm, these are both bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, capitalism should be assaulted more, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, after the song, we see Velma, Daphne, and Van Helsing watching a news report where they lead us like, hmm. I think we're going to leave here. Vampire Palooza is clearly not welcome. Um, Fred mentions that he's worried about Shaggy because they may be out there with vampires. Uh, yeah, they haven't seen them in like literally hours upon hours now. It's been overnight mm. as far as I can tell. Yeah. Daphne has the piece of fabric from before and mentions that like just 
from like touching it and seeing it is like mm, no this is the newer material that wasn't really implemented until like the 1970s 1973 i think is what she says she gives like an exact year yeah she goes straight up l woods on this piece of fabric she's yeah. like no this does not make sense this is way too modern and i'm like that's really what daphne needed all along is a little bit legally blonde in her yes yes she does what fabric what velma would do if there was like a residue of something on the ground it's like touch it feel it i know exactly what this is yeah by the yeah. year it's good they gave her a skill set and she uses it i'm about it mm-hmm. you should probably watch uh, velma and daphne or daphne oh, and velma, still- whatever it's called i need to still sit and watch it yeah i am very excited for that Van Helsing says that, yeah, those are the newer ones, but it's because Valdronia's clothes were starting to disintegrate, so when we opened it up to authenticate it, we changed them for modesty. Yeah. And the clothes that he pulls out that are supposed to be the original clothing looks fine to me. You would not touch thousand-year-old fabric with your bare hands. I swear I thought that too! It would disintegrate, like, right then and there. It also, like, I know it's Hanna-Barbera animation and they're not gonna do a whole lot of, like, very nitty-gritty details, but I was like, that cloth still seems very together. This evidence that Van Helsing has for this oh, well, actually moment is very, very convenient to me. Yeah, Yeah, and it's it doesn't even support his story because like he says oh it was disintegrating and being a problem and the fabric looks fine yeah yeah it's a solid piece of purple fabric and and yeah daphne does again like go oh yeah this is like ancient chinese silk you know it's got like the the embroidery's right this is clearly a hand weave as opposed to using a machine right cloth cloth hasn't been hand woven for like you know 500 ish years it's Again, a good use of her traditionally feminine, like, wiles and skills. It's mm-hmm. very good. So they mention the actors at some point during all of this. So Daphne's like, yeah, let me go talk to them. Fred acts jealous, as is a Fred thing to do. But this time, Daphne's just like, I'm going to call you out on it, and we're going to joke for a bit, and then I'm going to leave anyways. Yeah. She does not put up with it. Fred's... It's- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's good. It's good. I'm yeah. very happy with that. It's uh, also yeah. like the first instance we see in this movie of when one of the characters is jealous about something, someone else is there to like jokingly dunk on them in a way that people that have been friends for about 20 years can do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will say Fred's expression at the end of that scene is actually hysterical to me. There's just he just pouts angrily and it's it's hilarious it's great yeah he he big mad (laughs) so daphne enters the seemingly empty theater trips on a projector that has been set up on the floor it's like hmm that's a strange place to put that but okay turns around and we see bram spider-manning yeah literally i really wish he would broadway spider-man and like fall off of the rope and break his arm but (laughs) dang dang that's not what happens. Oh, is that the... Sorry, I may have gotten that confused with the one Daniel Radcliffe was in. Is the Spider-Man one where he kisses a horse? 
No, 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 no. What? Okay, so that's Equus. That was yeah. Daniel uh, Radcliffe played the the main character, and there was the horse, and he had to be nude. What? Um, they made a Spider-Man musical a couple of years ago, and the running joke was they had to keep using like the like what's the term um the backup not the backup actor for the backup actor because everybody who kept trying to do the harness stunts kept injuring themselves Uh uh-huh and so like the the production kept being like delayed forever because like people just kept getting hurt trying to work on it gotcha okay yeah but bram and daphne chat for a little bit and the entire time bram is doing different rope stunts Mm-hmm. and really just needs to chill for a second yeah he just like can't be still no. <laughs> he grabs uh-huh. daphne into a swing so they move together and then the song starts it's i don't know what it is but all of brahm's songs are bad actually <laughs> yeah like he just like there's not a lot of range to like his singing. There's like he kind of has like one volume and a couple of notes that he can hit, and it's 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 fine enough. Uh, Daphne kind of like runs the show. He's like coming on to her and's like you know we should be together forever, but he means forever like literally because I'm death. And she's like that's sweet, but I'm really not interested in you. You're way too cliche for me. And it's kind of like um kind of a playful back and forth of like him trying to like seduce her to darkness and she's like i'm not interested in you no thank you i I will say like in like the back half of the song when it's just about immortality she's like "Mm, hold on wait a minute maybe and then at the (laughs) end of the song it's like okay so will you do it and she's like no what's wrong with you and just sort of like laughs at him yeah she's going with it towards like the the second to last half but then she's like no actually you know i don't want this bye there's something about like the way her singing is set up in this that you can tell she's gonna be like "Mm, nah by the end it's just i really like how daphne's um part in this went Mm -hmm. because it could have just been very easy like I think if they tried to make this scene like 20 years ago, Scooby-Doo, or even like 30 years ago, Scooby-Doo, she just would have been like fallen for him. And this just would have been like a lovey-dovey duet between uh, a man and a woman in a musical. Right. And instead, they really took that expectation of like, this is what they could have done in definitely like earlier Scooby-Doo. And they they kind of took that and was like, no, Daphne's just not into that. Mm -hmm. She's really not interested in him. She's not interested in what he's offering her. And- She's just rude to him. It's great. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a trap at this point. Yeah. That, yeah. like, she would have been, um, like, having the rest of the gang record them or something like that this entire time as Bram is singing to the to her about immortality and stuff. But yeah. it, it, didn't, it didn't pan out that way. There wasn't that trap, but there was another trap in which when Daphne finally declines at the end... The rest of the troop shows up and kidnaps her. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think Brom like tips his hand towards the end. He's like, oh, that disappoint that's disappointing to us. And she's like, oh, I mean, da 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 da. Wait, us? Mm-hmm. And then the the rest of the troop kind of shows comes up. down on their lines. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Shaggy and Scooby, we cut over to them. They were sleeping in a tree and 
They're like, oh, that was fine. And then they turn around and we see that they are covered in leeches. So they freak out about that for a second. And then continue to be harassed by other swamp critters. Snakes and gators and crawdads. Oh, oh my. my. Oh my. Uh, and they come across in their attempt to fully escape. They come across the shack for Thule's boat, boat rentals. Thule. It's the guy from the beginning. That's why I said the name earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they get close to the door. Thule opens. It's like, oh, come on in. And then basically drags them in for gumbo. Yes. He definitely invites them in. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really make sense to me because later he reveals that he hates vampires. But I'm like, why are you inviting strangers into your house? Don't you know vampire rules? Right. Oh. To be fair, he's only hated vampires for like the past two to three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then goes, oh, that's life, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he reveals that he used to be an inventor. Um, and he had blueprints for some flying shoes that a vampire came up and stole them from him. They stole and my a prototype. A prototype. Oh, was it a prototype? Oh, those yeah. blueprints. He still has the blueprints because um, he shows them to Shaggy and Scooby. Oh, He had the gotcha. prototype that he was in a show to a shoe, shoe company. company, and that got stolen. Gotcha. Um, so he's literally Old Man McGucket. <laughs> yeah, I just think handled much worse. Yeah, very, very much worse. Um, no tragic backstory for this. He goes on about how, like, none of his inventions were good. Like, he's self-aware to know that, like, his his passion projects were never good. His stuff just went beep and boop. The only thing that really people bought from his shop was one of those hats that you drink, air quotes, soda pop from. I'm like, honey, no, people drink beer out of that. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Smitty Warbin Jaegerman Jensen kind of hat. He was yeah. number one! <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he's like, oh, but then I did one good invention. And that was the hover boots. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And then, like, by this point, the audience is like, uh, your head starts, like, the wheels in your head start turning. You're like, okay, I think I'm putting stuff together. We got some clues. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's basically all the information we need to get from Thule. Um, yep. They The entire time, Shaggy and Scooby have been just chomping down on this gumbo. They've eaten basically the entire pot that he has made. Seconds and everything. Yeah. Um, and then Shaggy and Scooby jump through the window action movie style and take off on a boat after learning that Thule uses leeches in the gumbo. Which helps me determine where this would fall in the red-green shirt timeline. Yeah. Because they don't... Hmm. Ghoul School, the movie we just watched, they do not freak out about a lot of the ingredients. <laughs> well, they freak out, but then they continue to eat it. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, toadstool fudge, interesting. Yeah, they don't go, mm, I'm gonna jump out of this window and just take off into the swamp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Velma, Freddy, and Van Helsing are still doing some research, setting up, and Fred is setting up some anti-vampire weaponry, and accidentally fires it off and destroys Van Helsing's television. It's a nice television, too. Yeah, it, like, straight up ricochets off of almost every surface. It nearly, like, it, doesn't it, like, almost, like, get Velma, too? Like, it's, there's some close calls in that ricochet. Yeah, uh, it almost kills all of them. Yeah. And then it killed a TV. And they mention 
that or Van Helsing mentions, oh, well, he's probably going to be trying to get a bride. It's got to be someone pure of heart, uh, beautiful, mortal, mortal beauty, pure of heart. And then so my reaction was, oh, he's going after Scooby Doo. <laughs> uh, Fred's like, hmm, mortal beauty, pure of heart. That's going to take us a while to find. And then immediately gets a text from Daphne. <laughs> my reaction to this she texts them that she's in danger. I loved that. It's I like little touches like that. That's like because I could I could I could honestly see like newer Scooby Doo kind of being like, no, this is kind of like the snapshot of what we're trying to capture and like really trying to keep it to like kind of that older kind of like feel but i like that newer newer scooby-doo has kind of got embraced the times a little bit Mm -hmm. and so it's like yeah daphne would have a cell phone that could text fred it makes sense they have headsets in the sewers when they're investigating the cockroach Mm -hmm. monster like this is clearly a scooby-doo from 2012 it's very neat yeah and i think it's incredibly telling about the actors the fact that one she texted them and two she didn't text like a short message or a picture or anything. She did like a full on like, hey, I've been kidnapped by these people. They're going to turn me into this. See ya. <laughs> yeah, it's it's detailed. It is like, help. I've been captured by the theater troupe. And it's in like, um like it's a black background with green text, which kind of feels very like Nokia flip phone. Yeah, I think it was a flip phone. No, no, yeah, they both, <laughs> they definitely all have flip phones. It's. It's right before smartphones hit it big. Yeah. yeah. They like, okay, then it's clearly Daphne. We just need to figure out where to go. And um, Delma's like, okay, there's a star chart here in this book um, that leads exactly to where it is. We'll just take a copy of it. And then Van Helsing rips the page out of the book. Yeah. It's like, let's go. Which again, this book is thousands of years old. It's priceless. It's w- only one on the planet. I guess there must be scans of it because that's how the goth kids got the spell incantation. But like, still, this is priceless antique, and he just rips a page out of it. Yeah. See, like my thought here is, oh man, that's very heartwarming. That he he he's he obviously cares about his books. But he's worried about this uh, person who's about to go through a horrific uh, experience of being in a ritual. It's like, aw, that kind of situation. Hmm. That's definitely a way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. It certainly would be a nice way to think about it. As they go to leave, Velma's like, hmm, I'm pure of heart too. No one ever thinks just, you know, and Fred's like, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come on, we gotta save. We gotta save her. It's what we do. Uh, it's another instance of them just like playfully ribbing each other that I enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We cut to the troop that has tied up Daphne to a tree in the swamp, setting up that ritual. Um, Daphne being a little snarky as always. A fan boat comes through the swamp. We see everybody that was in the previous scene. You know, Fred, Velma, Van Helsing. And then some hands come out and grab Van Helsing from the side of the swamp and pull him in. Fred just starts shooting his stake gun wildly into the trees. Yes. It's like semi-automatic. Yes. It's like, because I was expecting it kind of be like a rifle kind of thing. Like in a video game, like it would have like a, like one shot and you have to kind of reload it. But no, he's no. just like, doo, 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 It's like. intense. 
Yeah. Um, and we hear a zoinks echo through the woods. And when they go to take a look, Shaggy's been stuck to a tree. By the stakes that Fred just used. <laughs> it's kind of, again, it's very Blade of Fred to have that kind of stake gun now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Fred's tired of all these villains trying to ice skate uphill. It is true. (laughs) Oh, those movies are good until you get to Blade Trinity. Velma sees that, here's the shaggy. He's like, oh no, I'm a vampire. It's don't bother. And she's like, it's a splinter. Come on. Fred is trying to uh, fix the uh, semi-automatic stake thing. And Velma instructs him to just switch it to net mode. <laughs> and then does it just, from there, just cut to, like, the ritual? Yes, it does. Um, the only uh, woman of the, the troop is uh, says something to Daphne along the lines of, Oh, you're so lucky to have been chosen. And Daphne says, I'm sure you'll, you'll find an evil vampire king of your own one day. Which, like... Goals, TBH, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Daphne is snarky the whole time, nonstop, and it's amazing, and I love it every time. Yeah. There was a little bit earlier, um, there's a line uh, that Graham uh, uh, says to Daphne, relax, Daphne, it's just your soul you're giving up. And Daphne replies, easy for you to say, you obviously never had one. <laughs> it's like, man, Daphne going hard. Right? Ugh. You know. I, I I want to know. Okay, so the the their other number that they had the kind of ritual that's like something that they found on the internet that somebody else wrote in ancient times and they're just kind of reciting it. They learned to perform. This song is an original composition that clearly makes reference to Veldonia and to Daphne. Yeah. When did they have time to write the song? Yeah. Uh, and this kind of brings into is this diegetic or non-diegetic singing are they singing in universe right now i think they are and i bet you bram was writing those lyrics while daphne was texting (laughs) (laughs) Mm. yeah so they go through the ritual and it's a song and the vampire shows up very dramatically by the way yeah rising from the swamp yeah yeah there's like there's like gas that comes out of the swamp first Mm -hmm. and then he kind of like emerges from that yeah it's it's i I like this this sequence that's coming up it's this action sequence has some really interesting animation yes it does valdonia uh starts singing as well and um some of that smoke goes around and the troop falls asleep and he starts singing to daphne and she starts getting all loopy as well. And then, uh, flash! Shaggy interrupts with a camera. Loving, ignoring the sign about garlic steaks and flash photography. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Taking a picture of the happy couple. Um, just generally trying to provoke Valdronia into a chase sequence. And he does. And we see Lord Valdronia do something we've never seen him do before, which is throw fireballs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's also the same color as the green smoke, is it not? Or is it orange fire? It's orange fire. It's okay. orange. To channeling the witch's ghost. <laughs> Eventually, uh, Shaggy 
runs over to where Scooby is on a getaway fan boat, jumps on. Velma, while Lord Valdroni is distracted, unties Daphne, who is still very loopy. Yep. This is where Fred would catch Valdronia with a net, but the gun is jammed. Something wrong with the compressor. It got wet. Yeah. Uh, so Lord Valdronia keeps chasing Shaggy and Scooby until he gets hit by the necklace from the vampire bride jewelry. And we see Daphne and Velma, who are ready to start some stuff. Including when Velma <laughs> throws the crown, although Daphne wanted to keep it. Mm-hmm. And you know that th- those those things are lost in the swamp now. They're gone. No, they're not. We see them at gone? the beginning of the film. <gasps> That's yeah, oh! Tilly has Tilly has the crown. Oh, you know what? I bet you. I bet you. He fished it up right then and there. Mm-hmm. So they got lost, and then he went out and fished them up for some weird reason. And now he's rich. Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> Valdronia does one last big gas attack but Scooby accidentally throws the fan boat into turbo reverse I guess and the fan just launches all of it towards Valdronia and blows the cloak off revealing a sort of exosuit and the fan shoes that we saw the schematics for mm-hmm. uh, Valdonia tries to fly away but Fred shoots him with a net don't forget the puns that I definitely didn't write down, but boy howdy, does Fred have them ready to go. This is a net loss. A better res- raise the stakes. I wrote them down. <laughs> I knew you would. Yes, you- yes. Um, so Valdonia is trapped upside down, and they unmask him. And then have to unmask him again because he's wearing a gas mask. Very useful when you're doing a lot of gas-based warfare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his toolkit is very uh, knockout gas-heavy. Um, so they remove the gas mask part, and then... Van Helsing! Uh, Velma knew. Yeah. Yeah. Like usual. He was trying to save the town by making a real vampire legend to cause more tourism and boost his book sales so he would no longer need Alita's patronage. Apparently, apparently this was in his book. Like, yes, he... this is the book that he has that was not the one he had for sale. Right, but it's in his book. Like, this story, this, this story of somebody getting kidnapped and... Being becoming a vampire's bride. It's in his book. Thelma says, oh, it's all right. It's like, oh, you liked it? I, I said, said it was all right. right. Yeah, it's not bad. Don't push it. <laughs> I can't help but to think like, dude, you're not you're not doing very well. You're not making a whole lot of sales off of your books. But like he's running around buying projectors. He's making this exosuit. He's, you know, selling this tech, but he still has to get like the rest of the stuff fabricated. I'm like, you're spending so much money on this kind of risky venture. Yeah. Why don't you just like not spend it? (laughs) That's true of every Scooby-Doo villain for the most part. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't have money, so let me spend money to make money. Yeah. They mentioned that, oh, the actors were legitimately duped because they're far too into vampires. Yeah, which I just- Which is real good. Is 
so good. I was just like, yeah, of course, of course, you know, Van Helsing with his like old school classic vampire knowledge and playing this character like would be able to kind of win over these traveling goth kids with like very no low effort. I just, I think they legitimately just stumbled into this whole thing. Like he didn't talk to them at all about it. And that's great. It's, it's wonderful. It, it adds to the, like the weird theatrics of this uh, story being a musical. Like I think yeah. it really like fits in. Mm-hmm. Um, so Van Helsing mostly used projectors for basically every Valdroni appearance, except for a handful where he actually needed to touch something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like not even the Valdronia in the case was real. It was just a projector setup, which means you shouldn't have been able to see it if you were standing in front of it. Yeah. yeah. Unless it was like at a very, very, very specific angle or from behind. Like mm-hmm. there's some weird optics on that particular scene for sure. Mm-hmm. yeah uh the hands that grabs him when he was on the fan boat those were fake robotic stage dressing stuff and they look more like werewolf hands to me than vampire hands very fuzzy mm-hmm. mm. basically this means that he leaked his own uh ancient book ritual thing to on the internet specifically hoping that this troop would pick up on it <laughs> yes i have a question okay what was his plan for Daphne if it worked? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Because he says that he would leave everyone for eyewitnesses afterwards. But like, including the bride, because then that's just weird. Maybe. Like that, that makes the whole thing weird. Maybe the assumption is that she's just becoming become immortal now along with the others of part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. And nothing yeah, will actively change. The vampire troop for going along with the vampire's plan were was promised immortality, but like the they're not going to be around in Van Helsing's life for them to realize that they're not immortal long enough. So the idea is like they'll they'll drift away, they'll never have to see each other again, and then Van Helsing won't be around when they realize that they're not immortal. Actually, yeah. But yeah, it, it's weird that they don't really like, it's not very clear what his contingency plan was for if Daphne, like if this r- ritual was successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like my big question, really. During the arrest sequence, Bram being arrested tries to hit on Daphne one last time. Daphne's like, I don't date actors. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And then we get a reprise of the, the kind of the show tune traveling song. Oh, hold on. Oh, uh, the sh- right before that, Van Helsing is getting put away and is about to call the meddling kids. But the sheriff just cuts him off. It's like, get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then we get the reprise of No Monsters. Which is fun. I think that's probably my favorite song from the production. So it it makes me happy that it gets the like closing reprise. Yeah, and boy, howdy, can none of them dance. Something real quick. Um, it's revealed in the like the montage uh, showing scenes thing of how he did it that the fabric that he pulled to fool um, the gang, or specifically Daphne, is 
random fabric fabric circa 1387. It is literally it's, labeled random fabric. It's so good. It's so good. I'm like, what? That's not no. What? <laughs> it is the stupidest thing, and I love it. He's he's bad at business. He's bad at being a museum curator. I don't yeah. know about his book because we don't really get any excerpts from his books. But it's like it's clearly not selling. The book is clearly bad. Velma calls it as much. Yeah. yeah. She's uh, canonically in at least one movie, uh, part of a books uh, owner of a bookstore. So she probably uh, has a very skewed perception of books. Hmm. <sighs> Well, that's the show. Yeah. We don't get a Scooby Dooby Doo this time. We don't. Oh, we kind of do because that's part of the lyrics of the reprise, but it's, eh, it's not the same. It's not the same. It. I was missing that. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's get to the rating zone. Let me pull up my list so I can figure out where to start. Okay. I think overall, I liked what this movie was trying to do. I like that they kind of went out of their comfort zone and just trying to do something different. But I don't think they did a particularly good job at incorporating music into this story. I don't f- I don't feel like it was a particularly good musical. I'll be honest, uh. if they had rewritten every single scene that was a music number, it would have been better. Mm-hmm. Except maybe, obviously the um the initial performance of the troop mm-hmm. that was if they had made it you know a distinction between diegetic and non-diegetic yeah yeah i think that would have made a difference like stuff that was obviously meant to be like actually actors singing within universe would have made more sense mm-hmm. uh i do want to say that as far as that goes Maybe they're not always singing, but every time someone says anything in any of these, it is, like, for sure a they-are-actually-speaking-of-those-words situation. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not something that's always true in musicals. Sometimes someone's just doing a soliloquy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. singing it. So, I, I would say most of the time it's probably actually diegetic, just maybe not the backing track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my proposal for this is probably like lower on the list, but better than Boo Brothers. Oh yeah. Well, that's easy to do because Boo Brothers is at the bottom of the list. Yeah. <laughs> is it better than Scooby Doo Goes Hollywood? Hold on, we have a format here. Okay, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we do binary sorting here at <laughs> Kids and Their Dog. <laughs> Is this movie better or worse than the middle of the road or middle of the list film Scooby Doo Mask of the Blue Falcon? No, no, I don't think it's better because I liked how Black Mask of the Blue Falcon like I, I liked what they were doing there. It was like an interesting story to follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, what's mm-hmm. next? I don't, before we jump onto that part, I want to say that I feel like a big downside of this film is that there is plot holes they could go either way of oh this is obviously it is what the movie says it was a plan by someone who needed money and so they pretended to be a vampire but there's also enough plot holes with what they say he did to 
fool everyone and fake the monster attacks mm-hmm. that so you could view it as oh someone is telling the story covering up an actual monster attack mm. um, and it's really vague as far as basically every scooby-doo film goes mm-hmm. yeah so the next one what it would go up against is is this film better than scooby goes hollywood i would i vote yes yeah i think yes like because they this has a con- uh, like a consistent narrative. It doesn't feel like kind of like a bunch of sketches. It definitely is like pointing to point B. We are telling a story, a three act story. All right. And for the final question, is this film better than Scooby Doo Zombie Island? Hmm. Hmm. Is the music better? Hmm. I haven't heard the music. It's different. For Zombie Island. Oh, okay. It's only like two songs. Yeah, there's two songs in Zombie Island. But they go Neither hard. Neither of them are like musical numbers. They are just montage music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they do go hard. There's the, everyone's everyone else's favorite terror time again, but my favorite's actually a different one about how every monster they encounter is just a dude in a mask. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I'm trying to remember what, like what made Zombie Island be lower on the list. Can you remind me of that? It's a combination of pacing, mm-hmm. I think, was my biggest problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it sort of tried to seed the idea of the villains, it doesn't really do it at all. Nope. Mm-hmm. It's not a good mystery. Yeah. Um, it was very much trying to just get a by on being, this time the monsters are real, even though the monsters have been real before, my dudes. Yeah. <laughs> And partially, it's also this low on the list because there's only so many things on the list right now. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Now, did this one, it had a lot of plot holes, yes. Did it have a better mystery than Zombie Island? I think so, personally. Um, Yeah. Because, like Crash mentioned, there are parts when you get in there like, okay, I could see how this is being set up. And, heck, even at the beginning, not the beginning of the film, but... There's the part where Daphne trips on a projector. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, now we know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely make an attempt to seed things along. And, like, I, I personally, I didn't put it quite together until kind of later. But, like, it, um, like, kind of reflecting on it, I'm like, oh, it is, like, pretty clear like the trajectory that you can go through like being like oh yeah van helsing is here he's there he you know he's conveniently like stepping out of the scene here it's Mm -hmm. looking back at it afterwards it's pretty clear but i wasn't following along with who the who done it until like the reveal happened i was like okay that makes sense yeah yeah and that's generally what makes a really good who done it is even if you don't follow along when you look back on it afterwards you're like okay this is I follow the points here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe in that case, it would be better than Zombie Island. I think I agree. All right. So coming in, uh, the exact, the lower half of the middle point of our list is Scooby-Doo, Music of the Vampire. So let me read that off to you. Um, just because I've, I've started doing this, even though it's going to start taking a lot longer here in a few episodes, but. From the bottom to the top, it goes Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, our this month's movie, Scooby-Doo Music of the Vampire, 
Scooby-Doo Mask of the Blue Falcon, Scooby-Doo in the Ghoul School, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, and coming in at number one, Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase. Personally, I think we might need to reevaluate that top three. Soon, yeah. But just because I feel like I don't know how we didn't get Witch's Ghost above Cyber Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll do that after a first year. We'll take a look and say, hey, does anything yeah. need to get changed around? Yeah, yeah good idea. that makes sense. All right, so Crash. Yes. Um, where can people find you? Do your plug stuff. Okay, I'm on Twitter at CrashingWaves14. That is the number 1N414. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of podcasts, but I do pop up on other people's shows. I was on Christina Wood's Home for Wayward OCs. Um, Janine was also on it, so check out her episode. Check out my episode. I'm talking about a critter OC that I had back in high school from a defunct video game project that I really mm. liked. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, and now plug something that you are not a um, part of i think i'm gonna plug a podcast that actually isn't like in our circle of podcasts um it's a movie review podcast called the bechdel cast and they watch movies and kind of not only talk about like the structure of it but also like how um movies treat women how like hollywood is kind of treating women and um, whether or not the movies pass the Bechdel test. That's only kind of a small component of the the podcast, but it's mostly a larger conversation on how media portrays women, mm. um, which I think is kind of uh, fitting since we're talking so much about Daphne and kind of fun Daphne roles here in, in, in this uh, episode. Mm. Yeah, and I think I'm just going to go and shoot the shot and say I'm pretty sure most if not all scooby-doo movies pass the bechdel test they do <laughs> velma and daphne always talk to each other but yeah i think um their most recent episode or last week's episode for halloween they did scream which was really fun nice so and i actually watched it with my boyfriend who also listens to the podcast and i was like oh this is interesting i'm not really a horror movie person but this is they had a really good discussion on like women in horror for like october mm -hmm um so yeah check them out sweet yeah um i'll say I, there's a good chance i'll check it out because james recommended the morph club cast on his episode and i did listen to every episode of that in the course of three weeks <laughs> they have a pretty good backlog too and if you start kind of when they started in 2016 it's it's kind of unfortunate because the show starts pre-election 2016 and you can kind of like hear the like them like slowly coming to the realization that like movies treat women very poorly over the course of the show mm -hmm. and like they get much much stricter about things that pass because at first they're like oh two women at least talk to each other that's good and later on they're like oh but it's two women who have names need to talk to each other about something that isn't mm -hmm. about a guy mm -hmm. uh and like it just it gets it gets because it's like you know all of 2017 is talking about like me too and like harvey weinstein stuff and like both of the the two hosts are um comedians who live in la so it's like they're very in in like the middle of all of that and it's it's definitely uh something it's not exactly like 
it is positive and i some episodes are really fun like they did moana and like black panther and stuff mm-hmm. like that they're just like very like they do well with intersectionality and like other ones where you're like die hard you didn't even try what are you doing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well that that's definitely something i'll have to listen to mm-hmm. um and it sounds like other people should listen to it as well yeah what i did when i first heard of them is i just downloaded um random episodes that i was familiar with like movies i i knew and mm-hmm. then after that i just listened to the rest of the stuff because i liked the the two hosts so much right it's a good sign as for the show or i don't remember do i do ourselves or do i do the show first i do not remember i'm gonna do the show first this time we'll see if it sticks uh you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. Um, as far as I know, I'm sort of guessing a month ahead here, but chances are that giveaway is still going on. If not, I'll jump in Probably. here in the future and edit it. <laughs> and now I'm back. <laughs> um, it's just leave a rating and re- or review somewhere, literally anywhere. I'm not sure if you can do Yelp reviews of podcasts, but if you can, I'll accept that. <laughs> the water is too spicy. Five stars. Uh, but yeah, leave a review anywhere and just tweet it at us and you'll be entered for a chance to win a set of four Scooby-Doo DVDs. As soon as I hit five, I'll leave another week open and then we'll see what happens if anyone else wants to jump in after that five. But other than that, that's when the giveaway ends. So just keep an eye on the Twitter. That'll be where you find out. We have an email. And if you have questions, you can send them either to the Twitter or to the email. Either one works. If you just, It could be questions about the show itself or questions that we would answer at the top of the show, like what James did earlier. And the email is andtheirdumbdog at gmail.com. We also have a website. It's kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. It's really just sort of a place you can find the archives of the episodes if you don't want to go through it on like a podcast app mm-hmm. or other podcast source. That's it for the show. You can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. And you can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. Next month, we are getting back into the swing of non-guest episodes with scooby-doo and the reluctant werewolf it was nice to have an episode without scrappy-doo but then we're back in the saddle (laughs) my condolences maybe he won't rap this time as far as i remember he doesn't but the rest of the movie isn't great either (laughs) and my and from what i remember i may be wrong let's see so until next time they would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for us meddling kids and their like dumb dog. Mystery is solved. I don't want no more ghouls or nothing scary. No vampire creatures giving me a fright. No ghosts that rattle chains. Or things that eat your brains. Or monsters that go flying through the night. Is all we're gonna do Want no more actors or kooks Van Helsing's theme is done With all his vampire spooks And now it's time to run We're gonna be cool as cukes Our monster days are through No demon
Sonic Beast Ain't nothing to see, it's time to relax And that's what we're gonna do Do-do-do-do-do <laughs>